if each business owner made their decisions differently about how they are spending money, how they treat their staff, the flow on effects from that are massive. But we just have to each take responsibility for those components that we do have control and influence over. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Annie Dickerson. And today I'm here with a special guest host, Jason Kleiman, our head of business development and investor relations. Jason, how are you? Hi, Annie. Well, amazing. It's an amazing day. I'm so glad to be here with you. We were just talking about how you're headed to a basketball game right after we record this. Yeah. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm always connected with my kids in some way. This afternoon is a mix of gymnastics and basketball. So yeah, got a big afternoon. Wow. And so are they both? So you're, how old are your daughters now? Got a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old, so we keep hopping. The 15-year-old is playing basketball. It's the first game of the season, and 10-year-old is in gymnastics, and it's a very normal thing. But yeah, we're, it's an active evening. First game of the season. That's a yeah. big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. So I'm going to be there in the stands cheering. I'll try not to be that ugly parent that yells are too you, much. I but... was going to ask, are you are you that parent who is like I, yelling I, really loud? You've got the signs and everything? or I don't have the signs, but everybody knows that I'm there. Yeah. Okay. I, I tend to talk to everybody and I like to get to know the coaches. Yeah. I tend to be involved. Yeah. Well, how fortunate for your girls to have you have your support in that way. That must mean so much to them. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. That's what, uh, yeah. that's what being a parent is all about. You're there. You're there every single yeah. day. Yeah, I know. Right. It's just about that. Well, the freedom of time and the flexibility to be able to be there. That's a big part of why a lot of our investors come to us is to be able to be there for their kids as well, for their basketball games, soccer games, gymnastics, all of these things, because it's important. When I was a kid and my mom showed up for every swim meet that I did or whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah. I remember every single time. So for sure, uh, when my kids have stuff going on, I'm there. I'm a fixture. You can always find me in the stands. <laughs> well, speaking of impact and that sense of support and growth and change, that ties in really nicely with our guest today, Bessie Graham. She is a coach, a podcaster, and the co-founder of Benefit Capital. And Bessie has been working with businesses, governments, and various organizations over the last 20 plus years. And in this episode, she really shares a lot of the insights about how as for businesses, it's not just about making money or doing good, but it can be a mixture of both. And she talks about how at a young age, as a teenager, she was exposed to sort of impact investing before it really became impact investing and how it kind of blew her mind in those early days that you could bridge the gap between the two and do both at the same time, which I know, Jason, is a big passion of yours yeah. as well, sort of that everybody wins man- mantra. Yeah. If anybody who listens to me, they know this whole phrase of everybody wins. It's a, it's, I weave it in with just about everything that I do. My kids get very tired of it too. So they hear it as well. Bessie is an incredible, an incredible example for just living your life in an interesting way. She has figured out a way over a couple of decades to marry big business with big impact. She's out there creating relevance and significance, not just for herself and the people that work with her, but the companies that then invest through her or invest with her or that she's taken a big interest in. The amount of impact and relevance that she has ushered into the world 
It's incredible. And she's got a really interesting story to listen to. And if we can all take a piece of what she's doing and put it into our lives and have even a trickle of the impact that she does, boy, this world would be such an amazing place. Absolutely. And Bessie talks about her journey starting multiple businesses, running multiple businesses, both on the for-profit and non-profit side. And we talk about the growth of those businesses and the sustainability as well. So for anybody who's listening, who is an entrepreneur, thinking about being an entrepreneur, this is a great episode for you. But even if you're not a business owner, if you're working a W-2 job, there's some really great insights that Bessie shares in this episode about investing, about donation, about thinking about how to make an impact with your money, even if you only have a couple of thousand dollars that you're looking to place. And so speaking of which, you know, Bessie does talk a little bit about impact investing and real estate in particular on this show. And all of you longtime listeners know that's a big passion of ours here at the Life and Money Show and at Good Egg Investments is that everybody wins mantra where we don't invest in real estate just for the sake of real estate and the building and the land, but we do it to make an impact, an impact in that community, an impact in the lives of our investors, and an impact in the lives of our team as well. And so if you're new to this space of impact investing and or real estate investing, particularly real estate syndications or group investments, which is what we focus on, a great place to start is to get a copy of our book. It's called Investing for good. We have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. All right. With that, let's dive into our conversation with Bessie Graham. Bessie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be with you both. Ah, now, Bessie, I know you've been working for over 20 years with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies to bring together the concepts of doing good with making money. Two things that Jason and I and Julie as well are all very passionate about is sort of creating that sort of win-win. And so start by telling us a little bit, I mean, 20 years working with all these different organizations, it's a long time. Tell us about how you kind of got into this space in the first place. Well, it was interesting. As you said, I think for a lot of us, we've probably always had that little inkling of wanting to find ways to connect back together these ideas of purpose or meaning in our life with the skills and talents that we have, which fall more into our career or that commercial space. And very often that's hard to do for people because while a lot of us might say that, the reality is most businesses are not being run in that way and organizations are not operating in a way that really allows them to be married. So for me, the journey has always been this desire to find those spaces and to be able to feel like I'm operating an environment or an organization where I can bring both of those parts of myself to my work. And so I had the privilege of over 20 years ago now working for a short time with the first ethical investment advisors here in Australia. And so that 
journey of I had been exposed to that as a teenager and thought, this is a really interesting and curious idea. I didn't come from a family that had wealth. And so when I started to hear people talking about the fact that even if you're on an average wage over the course of your life, significant amounts of money will come through your hands and you can think about the ways that you invest that money or what bank you use for your savings. So my mind had been opened early to this concept of we don't necessarily have to choose or pick one. (laughs) Like, is it all about making money or is it about being connected to our values and wanting to make the world a better place? And so that was an interesting entry point, if you like, to be around people who believed that was possible in many cases long before the rest of the world did. And over time, that's morphed into more of the impact investment space that I've now been working in quite heavily for over 10 years, which is an expansion on that. So I would say from ethical investment, there is intention in what you are choosing either to not invest in or to invest in, in a proactive sense. Impact investment fascinated me because it moved a step further on that spectrum to say, we need intention and measurability. Because the more you work in this space of trying to bring doing good and making money back together the more you realize good intentions aren't enough. We do have to be able to track and measure, are we achieving those things? And so it's been this interesting ride (laughs) because there have been some big ups and downs along the way of working with people seeking to use business as an agent for change in the world, to do amazing things and bring their skills to the world, but actually be conscious and intentional and focused on what are those potentially unintended negative consequences. How do we have more of a positive impact in the world? And that's been my journey as really a serial entrepreneur and an impact investor. I've started multiple businesses, but all have had that theme that you spoke about of doing good and making money. That's kind of the overarching thread of my career is wanting to make sure that is a part of everything that I do. It must have been such a game changer at at an early age to have that huge mindset shift where most young people are focused on either having an impact or making money, going to college for one or the other, but to know at such a young age that you could do both. And you talked about all these being a serial entrepreneur and starting multiple businesses. Tell us a little bit about some of the businesses that you've started. Well, it's been a mix. So I've started some very intentionally that have been non-profits and then some that for profits and experiencing that aspect of when is the right time, depending on the purpose or mission of an organization to structure it in which way. Some of those I've made the wrong decisions and and gone, wish I had set that up as a for-profit. That was a bad idea (laughs) and created complications for myself. But the first organization that I was the co-founder of and was the CEO for seven years really came out of looking around as an impact investor and saying, there are not the kinds of organizations that I can invest in where I'm really confident that they have that social or environmental side covered, but that they have a sustainable business model and they're actually investable and going to be able to pay this money back. And so with my co-founder, We looked all around the world. We thought we'll just bring to Australia an incubator or a program from somewhere else and support that to create more investable opportunities here in that space. But when we did that and when I looked around, I actually wasn't that impressed (laughs) with what I saw. And so that spark of, oh, maybe I'll build it myself kind of was lit in me, whereas before that I would have never said I was an entrepreneur. And so one of the things that frustrated me when I looked around was 
everywhere, incubators were telling the organizations they worked with to build a sustainable business model, but none of the incubators had it. And I'm someone who's very much a practitioner. I will listen to someone when they've already been where I want to go, when they have practiced what they preach. And I thought, it feels odd to me that you would tell organizations the importance of building out this business model, and yet you're completely grant reliant and have no sustainability yourselves. So I set out to say, I want to see if I can build an incubator that does have a business model and that can actually be sustainable. And so we set up the Difference Incubator, which is still running today. And I did the modeling and thought it would take me five, you know, three to five years, maybe a bit longer to get to sustainability. And we did it in the first two years. And it's still a sustainable organization. My deputy CEO took over from me. I've actually got a meeting with her after this. She's still going strong for over a decade now, been operating across Australia and the Pacific Islands, building the sustainability of organizations that are trying to do great things in the world. And so that piece Again, the curiosity and the desire to say, hang on, who says we have to do it that way is always in my mind when I see things out there and I think, okay, is there a better way to do it? And so I'm looking for people to work with who are thinking in that way and can build things. And then when they don't exist, the entrepreneur in me kicks in and I think, oh, I'll build that. But yeah, so that was an example of one of those organizations that I built that's still going strong today. You speak to that it doesn't exist or it doesn't exist in the way that I want. So let me just build it. And you make it sound so easy. And I know there are are listeners out there who are right at that crux that are like, oh, there's this idea that I've got, or there's this service that I want. There's this product that I want that doesn't exist. I really wish that somebody could create it, but maybe they're not at that point where they're like, oh, it could be me. I could do that. Maybe they've got the golden handcuffs of their job that they've got. They're focused on their career, but Tell us a little bit more about the mindset shift that maybe you went through. Like, what was it that propelled you to that point where you were like, I could do this. I could do this. And it could be me who builds this thing. I think one of the important things to probably add into that is that sometimes we jump to that space too quickly of, I could do this, there's a gap, I'm going to build something. So you've just had an idea and you jump straight into action. And there is this important step. So part of that story that I mentioned to you was we looked everywhere. I traveled, I spoke to different incubators. We were out there assuming that there would probably be someone who was already doing this and how would we just support them and bring them into our context here in Australia. A woman, she's passed away now, but was an extraordinary woman in the social enterprise and broader impact space called Pamela Hardigan. And she had this concept that she talked about, which was, have you apprenticed with the problem? And that early stage of making sure you have really looked at the context, you have not just had an idea and jumped, but you have thought about and explored, what are the things I'm missing here? What are the biases in me that I'm not conscious of? Who is already doing this that I could partner with or collaborate with? So I think there's an important piece first to say, look around because there is very rarely a completely new concept or idea and there will be people that you can either learn from or partner with. But when you do get to that place of, as you said, going, okay, maybe there is a gap here and there is an opportunity. I think the aspect that's really important to discern early on is the self-awareness to figure out if it's just you, 
then knowing yourself really well and going, what are my strengths? What are the pieces that I uniquely bring to this that I can tap into and maximize to really be impactful in this new organization or movement that I'm building? If there is a a team of you or you already have an organization and you're stepping into a new space, again, it's looking at as an organization, what do we bring here? And then mapping that to your understanding that apprenticing with the problem, mapping that to what this opportunity is and saying, so which parts are we best placed to do? And where are there things that are going to need to be in place where we're going to have to partner or bring in new expertise or strengthen through some type of collaboration so that we can achieve the outcome? And so that deep knowing of yourself and your organization, understanding the context that you're stepping into and where you're wanting to go, what you're wanting to build is really important because if we fall into the trap of thinking we are the answer to everything, there's a much higher chance that you're going to at least be frustrated if not you know, completely fail as you jump into new things. What I find fascinating about this whole thing is the idea of of relevance and significance. You've got so many of, uh, I read some of your posts, your blog posts, or some of your writings. It's the constant thread in all of it. And gosh, it's been almost 25 years now in the commercial real estate space. And one thing that whether it's me or any of my counterparts or anybody over the years is they've done very well for themselves and they've created some really interesting businesses and they've done um, some really creative things. But there's always this thread of how do I be more relevant? How do I be significant in the world? And how do I take it to the next step? So I'd love to know what it's like within your incubator world. You've got to deal with an awful lot of folks who think very highly of themselves, have done quite well, but they want the significance, they want the relevance. But then you've probably also got this mix of folks that come in and say, I want to be relevant and significant, but maybe they aren't the best entrepreneur in the world. So how do you bring that together and make it so it's this interesting community of people that are really on the forefront of doing some really cool things and some innovative things, but still having that relevance and significance and having an impact on the world. How do you bring it all together? Yeah, it's such an interesting question because as you said, there is really this tension often that we look to the outside world like we're successful. We're ticking boxes of what people would say should make you feel fulfilled or significant or that you would have those aspects already in place. And yet inside, we kind of are still asking, is this it? Like this doesn't quite feel like I thought it would. So that's a really common experience for people. And I think it does connect back to that previous comment that I made around the aspects of actually understanding yourself because the more that we've done that work to understand that foundational piece and we're very grounded in who we are, what our values are, how we behave and make decisions and that sense of our future state or that vision for what we want to be part of in the world. When you have those two places, it actually the way to thread that or the opportunities you say yes to or no to become much clearer if we don't have that that sense. So I think if I focus in for a moment on your question around, say, for example, the aspect of being quite an expert and in the real estate space for a long time, I always encourage people to not think that as they start to shift into a headspace of going, oh, what would give me that meaning or purpose that's currently lacking? I need to start a charity or a non-profit or I need to make a donation. Pause on that for a moment and come back to the identification of that common thread. Assuming you like what you do, there is a different answer if you're going, I actually do want to burn it all down. I, I don't enjoy it. But if you enjoy what it is you've been doing for decades, then 
my point would be to say this is going to look different for everyone. So that idea of doing good will look different depending on what your skills are, what your interests and passions are. So if it is real estate, then it's saying, okay, what is it about that that I love? What are some of the components potentially of my own personal or organizational core values that aren't necessarily playing out in the way I engage with real estate? How would I weave them in? So bring it back to the core business and you can then start to say, okay, how can I moving forward engage differently in the area of real estate so that it feels more fulfilling, so that it feels like it has some purpose. I'll give you an example. For me, because my thread and my passion is around that, bringing doing good and making money back together into the same business model, but I really do believe that business can play a role in society to make it better. Part of what I do in my broader investments, when I am making an investment in real estate I still make sure it connects to what I care about. So here in Melbourne, one of the real estate investments that I went in with another group of impact investors on was this incredible building where a whole bunch of purpose-driven organizations were able to be housed in this space that from an environmental perspective, a sustainability perspective was built to purpose to create these amazing, architecturally amazing environments for them to work in, but also that ticked boxes environmentally and I was creating this hub and vibe for all of these similar organizations to be working. So it meant it wasn't just a real estate investment, but I actually felt a connection to it. And that is going to look different for each person. But once you're clear on the pieces that give you that relevance or purpose or meaning, you then can look at how you're showing up, how you run your business and start to just tweak. It doesn't have to be massive at first, but tweak those decisions, tweak how you operate and engage so that all of the aspects of your life have more meaning and purpose. Because I think what can happen too often is we then try to weave in the purpose or meaning by making a donation or thinking of we'll do something one day rather than what can I do now that actually gives me that energy back for the core business, for the main aspects of where I am spending my time and putting my skills to work in the world. So that would be kind of the entry point to that first kind of part of your question. I know there was a lot more to the question, but but that's where I would start. Well, it's uh, it's uh, much of what you're involved in. I mean, it's big thinking, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's big ideals. You've got uh, big plans, and you can have huge impact on the world, or maybe just in Australia or wherever. But I would imagine, being that this is uh, such a big part of your life, what do you say to folks that come to you, whether it's family members or it's uh, small business owners or it's a friend, and, and they say, "Gosh, you know, I just want to have an impact, but..." I'm not going to go start another company or another business and I, to go do this. What do you tell them? How do you weave this whole idea into their normal life? So I think it does come back to the aspects of starting with what do you have control over? What are those decisions that you already have control over? When you start there, so if you look at, again, it doesn't have to be massive if it is just as an individual. How are you spending the money you do have? Are there ways that you just want to start with picking five different organizations that you really love that you want to support them? And so you will actively make a choice to spend your money with those organizations rather than a different organization. Is it as simple as looking at something like, okay, if you are 
saying you really care about the access to clean water or you care about aspects related to childhood education or whatever the topic is that you as an individual care about, bring it right back and go, how could I make the decisions I do have control over differently? It may be as simple as looking at the bank where you have your savings and saying, I don't have massive amounts of money to invest with, but I would like to choose a bank that is actually owned by people who are typically blocked out of that system. And I'm going to go to a smaller local bank and support them so that my savings, even if it's only $2,000, are sitting with them, not with a bigger organization. So it's about coming back to what you do have control over. Because I think you're right. If we just say, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. There's all these massive systemic issues. How could I possibly make a difference? Then we fall into the trap of often doing nothing. So for individuals in that position, come right back to what you have control over and tweak and change those decisions, then stepping out into the things that you may not control or have decision-making rights, but you can influence. So is it just about educating yourself more and having different conversations at the dinner table with family? Or So it's those pieces that when each of us do those things, the collective impact is massive. That is where the power of change comes. And The piece that has sort of a fractal nature in that example is that for those of us who are business owners, that again plays out for us, but at a larger scale. If each business owner made their decisions differently about how they are spending money, how they treat their staff, the flow on effects from that are massive. But we just have to each take responsibility for those components that we do have control and influence over. We'll get back to our conversation with Bessie in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now, back to our chat 
with Bessie Graham. What I love about that whole thing is the incremental nature of what you're saying. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be the zero-sum game. It can be small things. So for those that are not business owners, maybe it's a W-2 employee, somebody that just takes a paycheck every single month, they can still have a huge impact. They just have to look at it systematically in little things. And yeah, it's going to have a big impact on their family members, their friends, anybody who's connected with them. I am curious, though, on the business side, like within your incubator, are there some situations that you've gotten into and you realize, gosh, it's just not the right fit or the impact on the world. It's not going to be there. And how do you deal with that as the business owners, the CEO? How do you balance the two? Because there's always the push on the business side to make it a money-making venture. But then you want to have the impactful side, the relevant side, the significant side. And sometimes they just don't work. Maybe it's the person running it. Maybe it's the business model. But what do you do in those situations? Or maybe you've never run into it. Maybe you've been perfect every single time. What's it been I wish. like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If only I had been perfect every time. No. Both with organizations that I have either run or been part of that has played out. And definitely when I was running the incubator, there were examples of that. So if we start with the incubator and the working with other organizations, one of the things that I really believe very firmly is that when you are consistent and have integrity in playing out and sticking to the pieces of what you have as your core values, it works well for you. So we had definitely examples when I was running the incubator where there was an organization who, when we got into their business model or when we understood the founders of that organization more, we said, hmm, this is not going to work either for them personally or because the model just didn't stack up. And one example I'll give you where a philanthropist was very surprised that I said no to money (laughs) to work with an, an entity was this philanthropist was planning on granting to an organization and they came to me and said, could you do some work with them upfront first to see Do you think they have a potential business model? Is this going somewhere? Is there a potential to have both impact on their social issue and a financial model? And so with my team, we did some work with them and I went back to the philanthropist and said, no, I don't think you should grant to them. It's not actually an opportunity that's going to go somewhere. And the philanthropist was really shocked. They were like, oh, I've never had someone who actually didn't just take that as an opportunity for me to fund you to work with an organization. And the reason there's sort of a few factors that play out there. Firstly, for me, I want to have integrity and I'm not just going to take someone's money, especially grant money. There's limited pools of grant money and it should be used on things that actually need that work. But the piece that plays out well, if you engage with funders like philanthropists or government funding, if you build up a reputation as someone who isn't just desperately taking any money, but is really clear where they add value and when that money is well spent, they will go and tell other people that. And so it will play out in multiples after that. So there's one component where even as a business, I would encourage people to not have that scarcity mindset, but instead to really step into and own where they add value and be clear when something isn't going to work out. Because I do think that will, over the long run, play out better for you than just grabbing at money and then not being able to deliver on the back end of that. Yeah. With a personal example in terms of an organization that I've been heavily involved with, we had one of the nonprofits that we had set up and that I had been both on the board and then had to step into an executive director role when the founder stepped out. Where we landed, I ended up going to the rest of the board and saying, I don't think that we can actually 
pull off in the most effective way the outcomes that we were wanting to do in this particular social issue. And my recommendation to the board is that we shut the organisation down and give all of our assets to a, a non-profit that is set up to better do this work than we are. And so literally we've just been through that process, found that organisation and we've donated all of our assets and last week shut that entity down. So those pieces, it is worth the honest reflection to look at, are we actually delivering? Yes or no? Can we change the business model? Some of those pieces you mentioned, can we bring in different people? Is this something that can be addressed? Or do we need to say, no, we've reached a point where the best option is to either shut this down, give the money to someone else, or or step out of that space, depending on the type of organization you've built? It's an amazing story. And I will say that just from an example side, it's great to be able to just watch it from the outside. There's so many companies that struggle with this. We're a company that's all about impact. Our investors are all about impact. Everybody talks about impact. Everybody wants to have that relevance. We as individuals, Annie has her relevance piece. I absolutely have mine. And we all come together in this. And it's nice to have examples. So congratulations. I mean, it's a great story. And it's it's really fun to read about. Before we move into the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round, I have one more question that you might be the most uniquely suited to answer this question. And and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious about your take on it. A lot of our investors, they have a certain amount of money that they want to invest with and or do good with. Ideally, they can do both, right? Since you've been part of for-profits and non-profits, let's say I have a finite pool. Let's say I have $100,000. They want to do something with. Is it better to put that into an investment? Is it better to donate that to a nonprofit? And again, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious how you think about the use of that capital. So my honest answer is, and in some ways this does depend on sort of the size of that capital, but for now, let's just say the pool of cash that you have, I think that it is important that you don't romanticize the best way to have impact is to give to a charity or a nonprofit. It's actually very difficult. You know, with that example I just gave you, it took months of vetting and figuring out which organization we would transfer all of our assets to in that particular entity. To have an impact in an area is difficult and to give money away well is not an easy thing. So I don't think that the straightforward piece is, oh, I've decided I want to do do good in the world and I have $100,000, I'm going to make a donation. That may be the best option for you, but I don't think we should assume it is. Again, it comes down to whatever that bucket of money is. I like to think about it as a portfolio. So to say, okay, what would be the mix of things that I would do to contribute to the things that I care about in the world? And that is going to look different for each person. So for me, as someone who has that common thread of wanting to see business contribute in wonderful ways in the world, my thread across my portfolio is that with the money that I donate, with the money where I'm an angel investor or a venture capitalist, you know, those very early stage risky investments through to the safer investments, they all have the common theme of I am supporting businesses to do good in the world. So whether that's right down at my granting level, 
for decades has been in spaces like the early stages of microfinance, giving to these individual people in contexts where they had no cash available and that money would just continue to be recycled. Someone needs $200, someone needs $2,000 and they are given that to start a business. So my granting was aligned with what I wanted to do in the world through to I invest in at least a minimum of 10 startups every year as an angel investor. So that's very speculative. It's money that I'm willing to lose, but it's a percentage of my portfolio that is saying, I want to be part of and supporting businesses that are starting up and trying to build something. All the way through, as I said, to some of those real estate investments, but they all are connected to what I care about. They're not just random putting money to work in the world. So whether they are a donation or an investment expecting significant returns, for me, it's never about picking either or and saying, oh, this investment is just about making money and I'm going to close my eyes and block my ears to the negative impact it's having. No, I want those things to be connected to what I care about. And I do think that part of that shift in mindset is to say, if we are thoughtful, there are ways that you can take any portfolio, whether it's 100,000 or 100 million or whatever it is, and think about how you're putting that to work. Think about where your savings sit, who you donate to, what you invest in, and it can all be doing good in the world, as well as the components that are money-making can also make money without you needing to feel guilty about that or feel that you're being judged. Because if you can actually say, no, here's what it's doing. My money has enabled this to happen in the world and I've taken a risk and I've got part of that return. Risk and return go together. That's not something to be ashamed of. I think that's such an important point that you bring up that don't just think about the money and where it's going to go, but think about what you care about the most. And it's almost like a values-based approach. What impact do you want to have? And then from there, go forth and figure out how can you best make use of that portfolio rather than just putting it all in one place or another, but thinking about each dollar in that portfolio and putting it to good use to do good in the world. Yeah. Um, And if there's one piece to sort of give people permission So particularly if they've felt like, oh, I've been heavily in real estate or in this and I don't feel like that connects with what Bessie's talking about of that something I can be proud of in terms of have I really contributed to the world. As someone who has sat heavily in this impact space for over two decades now, I guarantee you that I'm not sitting in and judging people who do that. I want people to care about a whole range of issues. I don't actually want a world where every single investor is obsessed with and only cares about plastics in the ocean. Because then what would happen to education, to aged care, to every other topic that is important and that requires great minds to focus on, money to be invested in, those areas. So none of us need to be feeling like, oh, what I care about is not as important as someone else. Again, go back to the example of an individual, an individual business owner. All of these things roll up into creating the broader system, but we actually need people to care about different issues and then to put their efforts towards what they care about. So you don't need to feel bad or that one is better than the other. Such wise words and so important to give people that permission and to give yourself that permission and to know that's the thing about money is like, there's always baggage that comes with it, whether you spend it or whether you give it, there's always the two sides of the coin, but... 
Anyway, well, the time has come, Bessie. We're going to move on to our Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you three questions we ask everyone. Are you ready? I am. All right, let's do it. So the first question is around your life and money. So what's one thing that you're doing to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? So I would say for that one, in October last year, I really pressed pause. It had been an interesting aspect. COVID had meant that suddenly I went from being someone who was always on a plane traveling to being at home. I live in Melbourne. We had the longest lockdowns of anyone anywhere in the world. So we had like 265 days of lockdown. And last year in October, I really just went, okay, before I jump back in, to what I used to do. I'm going to stop. And I framed the whole of 2022 as a gift to myself. And I said, I'm going to put no expectations on how much revenue I pull, what this looks like. I want to stop and reflect and just engage with some of the things I've wanted to do for a long time and haven't had time to do. And come back to that place of for my partner, Brad and I, who've been together for nearly 20 years, one of our core values is around being intentional. And so I said, I want to be intentional. And what do I want the next 20 years to look like? And I just want that to emerge. So that's been a really conscious decision where I've now extended the gift to myself to January, 2024. So next year it continues. And I really want to shift that to being not just a one or two year piece, but saying, how do I make my whole life a gift to myself? And I don't mean that in a selfish way that it then stops and I'm never contributing, but really to come back to the component of for me to be able to operate and contribute in the big systems that I play in, that is only sustainable if I'm in a good place. So that's been one of those pieces that I've very consciously chosen in the last year. That is a great question. I'm going to take that away. How can I make my entire life a gift to myself. I love that taking time to pause and be intentional and really rather than living life by default, really thinking through how you want to best live your life and make that impact that you're so passionate about. Yeah. All right. Second question, Bessie, is around others' life and money. So share with us one life or money hack that's really helped you on your journey that you think will help others as well. So for this one, we've talked a little bit about some of these components, but I would say that the best hack that I've used myself and that I think can really contribute for others is to start to think about the resources or assets you have at your disposal as being more than just cash. And the way that I do that is an old biblical concept of time, talent, and treasure. So stopping and looking at what do you have in each of those categories that you could be investing, that you could be putting to work in the world or giving out to contribute to what you care about. And what happens when you do that, when you think more broadly about the use of time, talent, and treasure, is you can have that more targeted, impactful impact in the world because you're able to put the right thing to work and you don't get overwhelmed as quickly at saying, oh, well, I don't have access to the investment that I need to do that next step. You can start to say, well, what time do I have that I can put in if I don't have the cash? Or what's the talent I have? And so that shift has been a really important aspect for me and, and also I think plays out to helping people be able to sustain things and not get burnt out in the process. 
Mm. It's all about that framing, right? It's not getting stuck, mm-hmm. but really rethinking and reshaping how you're thinking about it and asking those right questions. So you get to the answers and the solutions that you're truly looking for. Yeah. All right. Final question is about life and money and the world. So tell us one thing you're doing right now to help make the world a better place. I know you have many, but tell us just one of those. (laughs) So the big one for me is that I've started to write a book. So for 2023, my focus from a business perspective is to actually capture what have I learned over those last 20 plus years and share that with other business leaders because I want them to be able to not have some of the same mistakes I had and to be able to fast track and really focus into their particular context, what does doing good and making money look like for them so that they can go on and be more impactful in the world, but do that in a way that also honors them as an individual business owner or leader and that brings them the freedom and fulfillment they want. Because all of my work is really that passion of like the doing good, making money, it's saying it doesn't have to be either or. How do we bring those things back together and build a business that is energizing and life-giving for you and brings you that meaning and purpose? But that is also a really great contribution to the world. Well, it's clear from this conversation, Bessie, that you've had so much wisdom to share. So I'm so glad that you're putting all that into a book for people. I know that that's going to be packed with value. And I know people are going to want to follow up with you and learn more, perhaps get a copy of the book once it's out. So tell everyone what's the best place that they can go to learn more. So I have a podcast called Both And with Bessie Graham. So it's that bit of not either or, you can have both and. So people can listen to that and then reach out to me either on my website, bessiegraham.com or just on Instagram or LinkedIn, because I would love to connect with people, have conversations, understand what you're thinking about and struggling with. And by all means, I can then keep you in the loop as the book comes out. Bessie Graham, coach, podcaster, and co-founder of Benefit Capital. Bessie, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us and our listeners today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 